This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into our Cowboys podcast. I'm Kevin Sherrington. Across from me is Evan Grant, and next to me here would be David Moore. Would be and is David Moore. I'll be to your left. Yeah, to my left. Yeah, stage left. Stage right. What is that? Exit stage left. I believe I'm waiting for you to race. move past the awkward introduction stage <laughs> into the meat of the freaking podcast. Well, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. Okay. And sure. they've won. They're now one and one. Everything's okay. Everything's, Everything's right fine. with the world. Everything's no fine. problems. Nothing. If they can play an aging Eli Manning. No more flares and, need to be sent out. And the awful Giants every week. <laughs> I want to say this just real quickly because I know people are saying now that the Giants made a huge mistake by drafting Saquon Barkley instead of a quarterback. Two games like, into the season. Two yes. games into the season. Listen, who's supposed, who's blocking for Eli Manning? You know, that, that's my issue here is that, no, Eli did not look very good in that game. But you know what? No quarterback looks good under duress. Well, if you're there, I, I think the, the question is, and, and the one that the Giants had to wrestle with, is – are we convinced who we can take at number two as a franchise quarterback? Right. Now, if you answer yes to that question, you should not have taken Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. The fact they took Saquon Barkley, one, speaks to what a difference maker Barkley is, but it's also an indication that they weren't convinced or sure that of the quarterbacks available to them at two that they would feel comfortable saying, well, this is the face of our franchise for the next 10 to 12 years. So you roll, you take Barkley, and then you address quarterback next year. Or you feel, you know, you start taking quarterbacks in the third, fourth, fifth round and, and hope you hit on one of those. Yeah. Well, quarterback Take are, a quarterback in the fourth round. Yeah, that's crazy. How silly. Yeah. And make him your starter? Especially after you try to get every other quarterback rated ahead of him on the board. And then settled for him after taking Charles Tapper early in the fourth round. Yeah. And who they since released. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about From their Dak, practice squad. We're yeah. talking about Dak Prescott here, by the way. Oh, Dak Prescott. Yes, yeah, that's yes, right. Yes. What right. did you think about Dak on Sunday? On Sunday specifically. This past Sunday, yeah. Yeah, I thought that uh, – I thought, I thought the opener was one of the worst games I had seen him throw. Now, he – he has had worse games from a rating standpoint and from a turnover standpoint. You're not saying he threw the game, are you? No, no, oh, I'm okay. not. I, why would you did, even mention say, that? It's one of the worst games yeah, I've seen him throw. throw. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the line, David? I, I, don't, I don't look at lines. <laughs> if you ask Dak, he knows. But it, it was three. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, just in, in the number of – and it was interesting because talking to Scott Linehan, uh, asked about, you know, how inaccurate he was and Scott Linhan's response was oh well I guess 67% of your passes isn't that accurate these days uh 
which wasn't the point because a lot of those 67% were check downs. Right. Uh, the, the guys in wide open space he was missing. I, he was more, in this game, he was more decisive. And what you saw was, and, and a lot of that came early with the way he ran. Uh, there were planned runs in this game or, or off the, the run pass option or the zone read where he took off. Normally in the past, recently during these offensive struggles for the team, when you saw him run, it was because he couldn't get to his receiver. He was trying to get the pass, make the pass. Nothing was available, so then he would run. That wasn't the case against the Giants. He ran as the first option. It was very clear, and we've rarely seen him do that. And uh, this was one of the more effective games he had, and I don't think it's any coincidence that it comes after the Carolina game where you saw Cam Newton take over that game early. And really, Dallas followed a similar template to what Carolina did to them in the opener. Uh, The quarterback ran, got up on them early, and then just managed the game. Uh, That's what Dak Prescott did in this. And um, the question is, do you want to expose him to that every single game or just in games of desperation or games that that tilt the season one way or the other? You know, do you still want to protect him and keep him back in the pocket with that other model? Or do you want to say, you know what, your skill set is such that you are closer to Cam Newton or Russell Wilson than you are these other guys. So let's use this. Let's not be afraid to have you run. We trust you when you run. You have good instincts for it. Uh, You're built for it let's incorporate this into the offense. I think we're going to see it more a part of the offense now because the passing game, in my mind, is still broken. And you're going to have to have another option and and bring all you can to this offense in order to get your passing game up to an acceptable level. So I think that means Elliott running first, Dak Prescott running second, now let's see what we can do with the passing game. I think that the that the uh, with the the zone read option. I think that's basically until teams back off and and try to respect some of the things they're going to do. They're going they're going to try to stop Zeke first. Sure, and that's certainly what the Giants committed to and Landon Collins committed to. And by the way, did anybody talk to Landon Collins after the game? Yes, and and he said he thought uh, Dak Prescott did a good job of controlling the game. Yeah, so, uh, Landon Collins said basically he just articulated what every defensive coordinator's plan going into every game and every fan knows, which is we want to focus on Ezekiel Elliott, limit him the best possible, and we'll put the game in the hands of Dak Prescott and take our chances that way yeah. versus putting the game in the hands of Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, he wasn't being a jerk. He was just, no. he was just saying whatever. You're but, right. exactly but, right. But players rarely say that in a public they don't forum say that, like that. They don't say and, that And loud. Dak's response was, was, even though Dak said he was all social media that week, I barely had a chance to ask the question before he answered it twice, which yeah. was challenge accepted. Right. Now, here's the thing that, uh, that our good buddy Babe Loffenberg brought up the other day, and I thought was very interesting. He says, watching, he said he went back and watched that Carolina film three or four times, and then even, even somewhat in the, in the game against the Giants. And he says, you know, I see a guy who doesn't trust his receivers. Uh, and, and I don't think he means that in a way that, oh, they're not running the right routes or they're not doing the thing that he doesn't have a good enough rapport with all those guys. He hadn't worked together with them that long. Right. And I think that I think there's something to that, especially when you see that who did they just bring back? Bryce, oh, Bryce Butler. Butler. They just brought they just signed they didn't make they just announced that they brought that they re signed him. 
And, you know, uh, I don't know who, who that cost. I'm, uh, do you have any idea who's, who's going to get dropped from the, from the roster because of this? It was They were going to add him to the receiving core. They, oh, they were looking at different – yeah, they weren't going to drop another receiver. They were going to add him to okay. uh, the core. But, uh, yeah, and, and this is interesting, and, and it, was a, it was a curious move initially. Uh, but when you look at it, it's because when you look back over the previous two seasons, Dak Prescott probably developed as good of a rapport – down the field with Bryce Butler as he did anyone. He certainly had yeah. a better rapport with Bryce Butler on deep balls better than he had Des Bryant. Right. And uh, Butler is taller than any receiver they have right now. Yeah. Uh, he's able to get some jump balls, uh, some contested balls. And, and he, you've shown he has uh, some chemistry with uh, Dak Prescott. So, I, But the, again, to me, it just underscores the fact you're making this move two weeks into the season um, – just shows that you are not happy in any way, shape, or form with what what you're receiving no, no is right now. It. And look, this is a team that's uh, run first, and, and no one expected them to put up outrageous uh, numbers in, in the passing game. That's not how they're constructed, and that's not how they will be with, with Dak Prescott at, at quarterback. But you look at it through two weeks in the season, Tampa Bay receiver Deshaun Jackson leads the lead in, league in receiving. The six wide receivers on the Cowboys roster have combined for only 11 fewer yards than, or 11 more yards, excuse me, than Deshaun Jackson. And they have, those six receivers have combined for 24 receptions. That is four behind New Orleans receiver Michael Thomas, who has 28 receptions through. So this came, you know, their highest rated receiver in yardage is Cole Beasley, and he ranks 69th. Mm-hmm. So two weeks deep in the season, you only have two receivers that rank among the top 100 in yards through two weeks. And I understand that's a small sample size, but that in essence means that three players on every team <laughs> have more yardage than your right. lead receiver. I'm just a simple man. Oh, Kevin wants hey, me Kevin to and I can agree on this. Yeah. Wants me to move closer to the microphone. Is that better, Kevin? Well, you know, I don't know why it's such a difficult concept for you. Either that or you're just so easily distracted. Oh, look, there's a squirrel. Where? Where? Yeah, see? It's part of his casual appeal. Yeah. We are into year three of Dak, right? Yes, we are. The start of year three. And I have zero... You are such a keen observer. I have zero issue with with Dak Prescott. But my question still remains, why only now are we now contemplating the idea of Hey, let's get a few more planned runs in there for him. Well, um, this I've, was part of his game. Sure, you were. Now you were thirteen and three his first year, so I think everything worked pretty well. Uh, there was no need to say, "Oh, well, this offense isn't going." And, and look, you go back then; they were averaging twenty-eight. They were consistently scoring between twenty-eight and thirty-five points every game offensively. Mm-hmm. Even the start of last year, now everyone focuses on uh, the Atlanta game to finish the season, that point on, the second half. But in the first half, you know, they were losing shootouts to the Los Angeles Rams and Green Bay Packers like 35-31. This offense was really not only consistent, but was explosive. Now from the Atlanta game on, it has been anything but explosive. Now suddenly, 
you're scraping to get to 20 points. Uh, they've still been held to 10 points or less five times in the last 10 regular season games. So now the offense isn't working. Defenses have adjusted. So what? how do you work with what you have to get back to where you need to be offensively? And I think it's, well, look, rather than build a rapport with new receivers that you haven't had time to build, what can you do? You can run. And, you know, they, they didn't do it in the first game that much. But, again, I think, and I think the other element on that first game, too, is not just the fact that Cam Newton did that uh, because everyone knows that, that Cam Newton is that sort of quarterback and they've seen it before. It was the fact that Norv Turner, who has never really allowed quarterbacks to run, he always likes them. Now, a lot of us, he hadn't had a lot of quarterbacks who can run. I mean, Troy yeah, Aikman, Troy Aikman yeah. you know, Rivers, you know, and the, I mean, he had pocket guys. But here's the classic, prototypical pocket passer offensive coordinator calling plays to say, okay, this is what Cam Newton does, so let's do it. So I think a lot of last week when they were assessing where they were offensively was Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones asking the coaching staff, okay, now tell me this, Norv Turner has never been one to go with the run-pass option or the, the zone read. And you saw him incorporate that with Cam Newton because that fits Cam Newton's skill set. Why aren't we doing more of that with Dak Prescott? And I think you saw there was no good response, one. Two, your offense is struggling. You know this is a way to help it and to get defenses to back off to maybe where now you can get something going in the passing game. So you say okay, now we shift and, and we go and we do this. There are two things still to me about that brilliant soliloquy there that, that stand out. And one is, I got to Dallas in 1997, and there seemed to be some romance with Norv Turner at that point in time. And here we are in 2018, and still, you know, there seems to be something to be said in this community, in this market, when Norv Turner acts. Second part of it is, it just strikes me that the way you describe this, and in large part in the Rangers podcast that we just talked about, we talked about a club that has not set trends in any fashion. Reactive rather than proactive. It sounds like we're talking about a coaching staff that is very much reactive and does not have... um, does not have a whole lot of, of, for lack of a better term, creativity to it or willingness to see the game in a different way. And I think, you know, what I what I see in, in, in baseball, and I think the same holds true for football, is teams that create that create a different way of doing things, teams that step out ahead, they may only enjoy their competitive advantage for a short period of time in football, it may be three or four weeks. But it may be what separates them from the rest of their division. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that this club has done that. Well, I think two things to what you said. Uh, first of all, the reason why North Turner is still a topic is because Troy Aikman is still broadcasting. And Troy loves North. So that's that's big explanation for that. But, yeah, the, the problem, you know, we saw that last year in the Atlanta game, uh, is that they, it always reminds me of, of uh, you know, people in a, in a lab situation observing – the mice and they're just taking notes 
And so I, I look at, at Scott Linehan and Jason Garrett in that in an Atlanta game, and they, and Chaz Green is getting his head handed to him, you know, by Adrian Claiborne, and they're going, hmm, that's interesting. Okay, all right, I'll write that down. I'll watch that a little bit longer. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, wh- at what point how, are they how can we address s- this next week going forward? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how about how about adjusting right? now and that is of course been the the mo and the the complaint about jason garrett since he's been a head coach is that okay he does a great job of creating his environment for learning and they and they run good practices and they do all these things but inside the game itself he's he's almost unwilling to act and i believe that's a that's certainly a valid criticism and and look every every head coach manager uh has to go with what their personality and, and instincts are, and are they're not going to have success? Jason Garrett's is methodical, thorough preparation, and then a persistence in doing that once the game starts, and having faith in the unemotional gathering of what the game plan should be, rather than adapting within the game plan and going by instinct. You know, his stance is, well, okay, this didn't go well in the first quarter, but we studied this from all angles, unemotionally, not in the moment during the week. We all came to a consensus this is the best way to approach this. These are the execution reasons we haven't, but that's not a reason to back off right now. Right. We're going to keep going. And so when you approach it that way, you're normally behind the curve on when a change needs to be mm-hmm. made. But you also don't get credit for, oh, when something starts clicking in the second quarter right. when you or, do, the, or the third quarter that you didn't get away from it. When, right. when, you, know. when you do make a difference in the third or fourth quarter and all of a sudden you change the game, you don't get the coaching credit. It becomes, oh, well, the the offensive line wore down the opponent's offense. Yeah, right. exactly. Or, or vice versa if it's on the defense. Which is side. a lot about, you know, and again, that goes that also doesn't just go to the strategic game plan, but it's also part of their – mental approach and attitude, which is we are going to impose our will on you. Teams that go in wanting to impose their will don't back off. They expect a fight. Bring the fight. Keep bringing it. We're going to win this fight. And so you don't at, the, you don't at halftime go throw up your hands and go, ah, eh, you know, we're even right now. We should be ahead, so let's go ahead and try this. Let's do this. You keep right. doing what you're doing with the understanding or the belief that the other team will crack because they're not as disciplined and they're not going to be able to withstand that. So, but, but how do you balance that with strategically what is working and what is not? Well, I mean, I do think that, and, and listen, I'm certainly not in film rooms. I'm not in meeting rooms. Um, but I'll go back to the, I'll go back to the college football championship game last year. Georgia dominated the first half. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nick Saban, who I think is a pretty good preparation coach, yeah. um, made a decision at halftime to put Tagvilo in at, at quarterback, right? That's a pretty big adjustment. Yeah. Uh, it changed mm-hmm. his entire game plan. I, I, to me, it struck me as he had a contingency plan. If this goes wrong, we want to have a way to counter punch. I don't know if the Cowboys – I don't know how much the, the Cowboys have that ability – to counterpunch and quickly. And I will say that there is more of all the mentors that Jason Garrett has had, and he traveled a career path and was, was taking from everyone he worked with because this is where he wanted to be. He wanted to be a head coach in the NFL. 
I think there are more similarities in his approach and that and there's more you can find in his game that is similar to Saban than anyone else he has studied under or played under. But that doesn't mean he is Nick Saban. What yeah. what separates Nick Saban exactly what you said at halftime of that game? I don't think that is part of Jason Garrett's DNA. That's not his personality. You know. You, you know. Uh, and that doesn't mean he can't win a championship. It just no, means it's just different. No. But but it, what, to your point, if it, it comes down to if it comes down to one game where you've got to make an adjustment, though, you're at a disadvantage. To your point, a personality like Jason, I've always said this about Jason. Jason is is a is a consensus builder. All right, let's all yes. get together. We're all going to yes. talk about this and decide. Well, in, a, in a course of a football game, you can't do that. In For the everyone to get buy-in. But, yeah, you can't do that in the moment. No, in, in a football game, you've got to be able to make a decision. I'm the boss. I'm in charge here. Bang. This is what we're going to do. And to that end, that's Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy mm-hmm. Johnson made those kind of decisions. If this isn't working, we're not going to do this. We're going to do something different. Now, let's, let's, before we get out of here, let's, let's talk about the defense a little bit because mm-hmm. as, as, as poorly as the offense played in the first game and as average as it was in the second, the defense has been outstanding in both games. And I think we thought going into this season that what could be the case, that this could be a defense really on the cusp of something really great. Uh, do, you, do you see this, what you've seen so far, David, do you see this continuing going forward? I, I think this is certainly the best defense. Um, you, you go back, Wade Phillips had a team that I think ranked second in, in, in the league. That would have been 2007. 2007, 2009, I think, were their last defensive teams under Wade Phillips that were uh, really outstanding defenses that could, that could do some things to win you games, mm-hmm. not just hold on and not lose, which right. is all they've asked the defense really under Jason Garrett to do this defense has shown and that it can go out and win games for you I I feel and and the reason I feel confident saying that is to me it's not just two games into the season you saw this in the second half of last season as bad as the offense was in the second half of the last season I thought you saw the defense take significant strides forward and you you go back I believe it's 10 games now uh, the Cowboys have allowed an average of 13 points over the last 10 games. And today's that NFL, right? that's a significant figure. So uh, they have a good, young rotation in the defensive line. I think they're deeper at linebacker than they've been at any time. I, I think you've seen in these first two games, particularly the, the Giants game, that Jalen Smith uh, is back to a uh, potentially Pro Bowl-level talent, which certainly everyone anticipated he would have been before the horrific knee injury he suffered. And in these first two games, though, if you ask me what's been the most impressive thing, or unex- I don't want to say unexpected, but the most impressive thing to me is these corners are playing a lot differently than you've seen before. They're physical. They're up on guys. They're making plays. They're staying there. Uh, they're really good tacklers. Uh, they're better in man coverage and press coverage than I think that sec- the secondary has been equipped to do. And, and that's something Rod Marinelli has been trying to move to ever since he got here. You know, he adopted like a, a, a zone coverage team. He wanted to get them to a press uh, cover two more, uh, more physical corners. And, and you've seen that in these first couple of games. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall the last time that I think the corners played this well. I mean, I you know that's a small sample size, and, and it I, is now they should play well in Seattle too because Seattle's 
doesn't have a lot of receivers and they don't have the time to throw. So I think you're going to see this extend a little bit longer. But Odell Beck was pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and, and they just basically took him out of the game. And mm-hmm. they didn't do it with a lot of double coverage either. They weren't, it wasn't like they were really uh, targeting him. They, they were just pretty much handling him. And I saw another – I believe that uh, in Byron Jones, Chittabay Awuzie is the guy that jumps out because he's in his second year. And, and uh, we've talked about Byron Jones before. You know, we used him at safety corner, bounced him over. Uh, I, I saw something the other day I was reading looking at it where uh, I believe Byron Jones only gave up one reception in that New York Giants game. Is that right? Because he was on, yeah. And, and he was out there for the entirety of the game. So that's, uh, that's an outstanding yeah, they, moving yeah. him back from safety to, to corner because he was drifting at safety. You know, yeah. he was he was not a he was just a very average safety at best. And to put him back at corner, I think was a genius move. And I think certainly hey, hang on, Chris Richard gets a lot of credit for that too. Didn't you want him at safety originally? No, Kevin. No, I said all. The, the, no, they bounced him back and forth because here's the thing: if the guy is really good. You know, I can't keep and up he can, with your hot sports and, takes. If he can play both positions, of course you'd rather play at cornerback than safety. A cornerback is a more valuable position than a safety is. And if he can play that, then he needs to play it. You know, if he can play it well, uh, they, they were the, the the problem was is that he could play both, and so they kept playing him at both. He could play both. They felt better about who they had at corner at the time, so they mm-hmm. said, "Let's see if we can make safety work." I will say they thought his ceiling was higher at safety. If he was physical enough for the position, he's not. That he, they felt he could have been a, a. If he would have shown enough physical edge to him, he would have been potentially a Pro Bowl safety. He was physical, but not to that level. But now that he's moved back to corner, it's made him a more physical corner. Yeah. And now it seems to be a perfect fit. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, so that you know, that's the thing about this team. You know, everybody wants to say, oh, they're not a Super Bowl team. Well, to that I always say, would you have picked the Eagles to win the yeah, Super Eagles Bowl were, yeah. with a backup quarterback? So, and no it, left tackle? Yeah. Both are left tackle? In today's NFL, you need to be good at one thing, okay? It looks like the Cowboys are, could be really good at defense. And, they, and all they have to be is good enough on offense, I think. And, and so we'll see what their chances are. Early I, the formula's flipped this year from what they've done. Oh, absolutely. Successful. Absolutely. And, and you know what? If you're going to be one or the other, I'd rather, I think I'd rather be good on defense and, and be just good enough on offense. So, Evan? Speaking uh, of being just good enough, Evan, do you have any? I think, it, I'm not I think that's a liberal praise <laughs> for Evan. Evan, we're about to get, we have to get out we of here. We don't need any of you liberals in here. <laughs> yeah. We need to get out of here because we got Marcus Spears coming on to talk <laughs> about colleges. Do we not? I'm not sure about that. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, you're sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, apparently, there's uh, there's a little. Bit we have technical dif- difficulty. A little technical difficulty. All right. Well, we we've had a Rangers podcast, uh, and now we've had a Cowboys podcast, and we're going to have a college podcast. Gonna, one way or another, we're going to have a college, podcast. and it's going to be really good. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans. We'll see you.